is this person humble and teachable? Because uh, as any married person knows, you get into marriage and it's not necessarily the picture that you painted. And all of a sudden you're like, um, I have my wants, needs and feelings. I don't know about you, but I think mine should trump yours. That was Lisa Anderson talking about the important things to look for in a marriage partner. This is Focus on the Family with Graham Schnell. And on today's program, we're talking about navigating singleness as a Christian and also what it looks like to be dating in a God-honoring way in this modern age. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Alison Schnell. Alison, I think the dating realm can be a scary place to find yourself these days. And Christian singles are finding themselves bombarded with messages from the media and the world at large that I think often tarnish the way that we should look at relationships and marriage. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, you got to chat to Lisa Anderson when you were last in America, and she's walked a journey of singleness through her 20s and her 30s, and has a pretty accurate take on the topography of the world of singlehood. Let's go now to that conversation and hear what Lisa's insights are when it comes to the single life, dating, and marriage. In South Africa, our marriage rate is very low. Only 30% of marriage age people are married, which is incredibly low. There are many barriers to marriage in South Africa, but one important one is there just not being a high regard for marriage. But we're going to be speaking to those who want to get married and maybe those who haven't even seen marriage modeled for them today. And I also want to challenge every marriage person to listen along. Uh, You have a part in helping singles prepare for marriage, and it's up to those who are married to positively elevate marriage in our culture and also to help singles in your life find good matches. So joining us is Lisa Anderson. She spearheads a focus ministry to singles called Boundless. And so, Lisa, welcome to Focus on the Family Africa. Great to be here, Graham. Well, it's great to start with, I think, your personal story and what brings you to be heading up this ministry to singles at Focus on the Family. Yeah, absolutely. And as you were actually sharing uh, there the statistics, I thought to myself, well, that sounds pretty similar to what we have in the United States. Actually, for the millennial generation that we talk to here at Boundless, it's about a 27% uh, rate of those who are married in the millennial generation. And so the rest that we talk to are single. Of course, that's vastly different from those that got married in the 60s, even the early 70s. Um, And millennials, of course, are those the oldest of whom were born in the early 80s uh, and then following. So uh, I am at the tail end of the Gen X generation. So Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm kind of straddling uh, the generations between the parents of young adults today and then the young adults themselves. So I get to speak to both groups, which is kind of fun. Uh, so I grew up largely in the late 80s and into the 90s was were my years of growing up. And I grew up in California, which a lot of people think of as, oh, you know, just everyone's crazy. No one cares about marriage. I went through the public schools there. So it's a wonder I can put two sentences together. But <laughs> Um, no, I'm just teasing about California, kind of. But um, but went to the public schools and was kind of, you know, I grew up in a Christian home. My parents had a wonderful marriage. I grew up around great marriages. 
But at the same time, I was getting this message in school, and that was, Lisa, no one's going to take care of you. So you go out, you get your education, you start your career, you become successful, you do what you need to do to climb the ladder. And then someday in the future, if you want to tack on marriage on your terms (laughs) and on your timeline, you go ahead. But don't think of it as a primary goal. And do you think that's what most people in your stage of life were getting that message. I think so. I mean, at that point, it was kind of, and and for me, it wasn't like I automatically was like, oh my goodness, yes, let me throw out everything I've learned in church and just become this crazy feminist. (laughs) Uh, It was more, it was more, I can have it all. So I will, I'm going to kind of, you know, marriage is a great thing, but I was very assumptive about it. For me, my parents had met in college. My mom stalked my dad at some basketball games (laughs) and then they got married and it was super easy. And even to this day, she'll tell me, Lisa, I don't know why this is so hard for you. This was very easy. Just find a man and marry him. Go to more basketball games. Exactly. (laughs) Go to more basketball games. So for me, I thought, absolutely, I am going to go out there. I'm going to, I latched on to all the romantic comedies that I had watched, you know, in my teen years. And I thought I'm going to be sitting in a Starbucks and I'm going to lock eyes with some guy. He's going to turn out to be amazingly godly and we're going to get married and start a family. And when that didn't happen, I woke up at 30 years old, literally my 30th birthday. I was home with my with my parents on vacation uh, and they they lived in the Midwest of, of the States. And and uh, it was a day that I was actually going to my uncle's funeral. So all around, it was just a downer. And I thought to myself, it was like the, the thought just hit me. I was drinking my coffee. Lisa, you are 30 today, and this is not where you thought you would be. And it was kind of a, a pivotal moment for me of realizing all this that I had scripted for my life was not coming true. Yeah. And it precipitated kind of a decade of panic on my yeah. part. Yeah. Why is it that it's important for singles to honor marriage? Because if I hear you and your story, uh, it wasn't that you didn't honor marriage, but you you just weren't really pursuing it or you weren't, you, you thought it would just happen. Mm-hmm. What is it about honoring marriage that that is part of the motivation as well? Sure. Well, and it's almost like, especially among Christian young adults, you can passively dishonor marriage. Yeah. So I felt like that's kind of where I was. Marriage for me was a plan B or C. And when I talk to single young adults today, I say, look, you know, if you're looking at scripture The Bible begins with marriage. It ends with marriage. There's a lot of marriage in between. And there are good marriages and bad marriages in Scripture. So I'm not saying, oh, that's this utopian state that you're going to enter. But really, if you talk to most singles, and this is this is worldwide, about 93 to 96% of them want to get married. And they actually assume that they will get married at some point. But what they're not saying is what kind of plan they have to get there. They're just kind of tucking it in the back of their minds and whether they feel like they have to be successful or whether they feel like they've inherited some bad stories from their culture or from their parents, they're very fearful of it. They don't think they can make it work. And so it's kind of taking this narrative of, um, you know, when I talk with with Greg Smalley here in in our marriage department, he and I talk about Hebrews 13.4, marriage is to be honored by all. That includes single people. So what does it look like for us to say, you know, singleness is great. In the season God has you in, you can maximize that. It is not a waiting room for marriage. It's not your life will begin once you get married and start having kids. But at the same time, if marriage is in your future, now is the time to start honoring it and preparing for it. Yeah. But what are some of the barriers to getting married? 
Yeah, I think they're twofold. There are some larger cultural ones, and then there are individual ones that I kind of consider the biggest offenders among single people. <laughs> um, the cultural ones, one, are just competing loyalties for what your goals are, what your ideals are for life. Sure. And that would be, you know, we've alluded to this, uh, the this idea that I have to succeed in my career and I can't enter into marriage until I've got all my ducks in a row, until yeah. I've made enough money, until yeah. I can pay off all my debt, until mm-hmm. I can do XYZ. Whereas our parents and grandparents generation, they just went into marriage and made it work. You yeah. know, they, <laughs> they just patched their lives together and grew together uh, into maturity. Do you think that one affects men and women differently? Or do you think it's pretty much standard across? I would say at this point, it's affecting them uh, on some levels the same, but where it differs is we see that men actually have, women have taken on this idea that uh, kind of where I was, that I I need to succeed, I need to make sure that I can self-sustain. And so they are entering university at huge rates, they are uh, entering the career force, they're actually escalating in their career, whereas men are falling behind. So now there's this kind of disparity that is much more stark in the church where we assume, oh, men are going to take on leadership roles, men are going to be providers, protectors within the home, but they're not prepared to do so because they're not, they're dropping out of school. Um, They're kind of floundering a little more understanding masculinity. Yeah. yeah. I can just identify with that. I've seen it with men when you, when you said get their ducks in a row Mm -hmm. because of that kind of idea of now I need to be able to afford and provide and so uh, you know make sure I've got enough saved for the engagement ring and I've got the house and I've got the mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, that can be a preventative barrier to, to marriage. It can. And, you know, I think of um, my my sister's father-in-law, who I knew, just a dear old man, and he's with the Lord now, but he, uh, his father died at a when he was a teenager, and at 17 years old, he took over the family farm. And so for him, he did not strap on a backpack and just backpack around the world. He didn't <laughs> self-actualize. He didn't spend his 20s doing all the fun things that 20-somethings yeah. now expect to do. He just started growing up and taking on those responsibilities. And uh, so I think there's this misplaced idea that, oh, we have to maximize this, our youth. We have to have all these experiences. We have to, and it's delaying marriage and it's delaying maturity among uh, among both men and women, but especially men. Uh, So that's the one cultural thing. The other cultural thing I would say is uh, the fear of marriage. Uh, Because millennials are the product of the largest divorce generation in history, which is the boomers, uh, they are. They have not seen good marriages. Many of them, uh, and I'm sure, um, you know, where you are as well, absent fathers, uh, yeah. to, to not even grow up with a dad or to grow yeah. up with a dad who's not in the picture very much, um, not really seeing what a healthy relationship yeah. looks like. And yeah. so they're afraid. They're wanting to practice at it, which is why we see a lot of cohabitation. We see yeah. a lot of promiscuity. We see a lot of um, com- uh, connection without commitment. Let me yeah. Let me practice marriage with this person for as long as I can and hope that they're going to stay with me. So those are the big things. Um, Then when we move into into individual things, Graham, I say, and and when I wrote my book, The Dating Manifesto, I outlined what I called five reasons your love life's a disaster. (laughs) 
or doesn't exist. And this is specifically to single adults. One of the big ones there, I put it as the first one, is this idea of the one. And I I call this out because I think it's so prevalent even in the church. This idea that God has one person in the world for you. Mm -hmm. If you do not find that person, you are somehow out of God's will. And it has paralyzed a generation of young adults because they meet someone great, but what if that person's not the one? What if they what if there's someone better out there? What if they're we're bombarded with too many choices now? And so it's it's leaving a generation unable to choose. And so, um, you know, I say there are a number of people in the world, let's say conservatively hundreds that you could build a life with, fall in love with, be attracted to, raise a family with, serve the Lord with. You got to pick one of those people. When you do, that person becomes the one and you invest in them for the rest of your life. I think it's affected marriage as well where mm-hmm. where marriage is struggling mm-hmm. and there can be this question or maybe she wasn't the one right so <laughs> or see, he wasn't we the see one. divorces happen yeah. because they say oops i must have picked the wrong person i better try again yeah absolutely yeah. so practically then what do you look for so you know now that it's not a particular person that you're going to have a god arrow on that's <laughs> going to be that's the mm-hmm. one uh, but there are things that you you need to look for uh, to be compatible yep. uh, what are those things that you look for in someone yeah they are uh, they are very remarkably few and so yeah. this is where I think uh, singles also get very much tripped up yeah. I used to have a list of about 50 things that I was looking for <laughs> in a husband uh, and this is I'm blaming my youth pastor in <laughs> church because we had one exercise one night where we were supposed to write out this list yeah. and then pray over it until I don't even know how long until we eventually got married, probably. And I was so frustrated and so afraid that I wasn't going to get all these 50 qualities. Uh, (laughs) So I realize now uh, in being older and wiser that I have to narrow that down to a few things. And they are, uh, is a believer in Jesus Christ and not just a believer in the sense of I grew up in the church or I went to Christian school or I retweet Francis Chan once (laughs) in a while, Um, but someone who is in the word of God and their daily decisions are being guided by a close relationship with Jesus Christ and an understanding of the gospel. And so what does it mean for them to be growing in their faith? And do you see the fruit of that? Are they plugged into a local church? Are they serving right where they are? Are they in accountable relationships with other, uh, other people? I think all of that is hugely important. I think, too, is this person in a position to marry? So um, that's where I talk about adulthood and responsibility. You know, guys, do you have a job? It doesn't mean (laughs) are you a millionaire? Are you super successful? But I always tell women when they're looking in this direction, is this guy, does he have trajectory? Is he moving in a direction that shows that he's passionate about maturity, about growth, about, um, you know, he is taking on the responsibility of someday I will provide for a wife and a family, and I take that seriously. Uh, Is this person humble and teachable? Because uh, as any married person knows, you get into marriage and it's not necessarily the picture that you painted. And all of a sudden you're like, um... I have my wants, needs, and feelings. I don't know about you, but I think mine should trump yours. So you've got to have a way of working out conflict and communication. Uh, so those are important. I uh, I actually had a woman one time at Boundless ask me, uh, Lisa, she said, what I think I really need to do is marry like John Piper. And yeah. <laughs> 
And I was like, okay, first of all, John Piper's married. He's already married. Second, I'm pretty sure John Piper wasn't John Piper when he was 22. He was probably kind of a jerk or an idiot who had a lot of growing to do, much of which happened through the influence of his wife, Noelle. So look for that guy who is headed in the right direction, and then you will grow together as as you're moving through life. That's awesome to have those narrowed down. But at the same time, how how much focus do you put on the search for the even those qualities uh, as opposed to working on being those qualities mm-hmm. for the spouse as well? I mean, is it, is it a balance? Sure. I think it's a both and. And I yeah. think that for the people that bemoan, you know, I always tell, uh, especially say the women who ask me this, well, Lisa, no guys are asking me out. No one's asking me, or the guys, I asked all these women out and they turned me down. <laughs> well, there's always something that you can be working on in preparation for marriage. And yeah. it may be, uh, it may be those life skills of, you know, have you gotten serious about moving into a career that's going to allow for growth. It could be something like, um, have you dealt with the baggage that you have inherited from generations of family sin or dysfunction? Uh, There are a lot of singles that think, it's okay, I don't need to worry about that because once I get married, all that's going to be fixed. It's going to go away. I'm going to be complete. I'm going to be, this person's going to fix me. You complete me. (laughs) Exactly. So so there's a lot that they can be working on and, and really growing into that person. And attraction, you know, health attracts health. Yeah. Healthy people attract healthy people. Sure. And so become as healthy as you can be now. And when you're married, you're yeah. going to become as healthy as you can then as yeah. well. Yeah. Um, at the same time, though, Graham, I want to say that I do believe that uh, it doesn't mean that you just say, OK, well, I need to trust God. So yeah. trusting God means that I sit back and do sure. nothing and Absolutely. wait for him to, to point to someone. Yeah. Um, Proverbs eighteen twenty two: He who finds a wife finds what is good and finds favor with the Lord. Not he who sits around in his parents' basement <laughs> yeah. playing video games and yeah. hope that someone is dropped in his lap. Yeah. So or waits. It's yeah. A, yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. you know, let God steer a moving object. Absolutely. Be moving yeah. in a direction, you know, okay. Godward, hopefully, and, and in, a, in a very um, purposeful way. And God will use that yeah, uh, in the yeah. way that he wants. And in that journey, you remind singles of the importance of guarding their purity. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. I think, first of all, um, we've kind of bought this this dumb narrative uh, among, <laughs> among young adults that is, you know, we, we always talk about it as teenagers in the church. You know, oh, okay, yeah. don't do this, don't do this, don't sure. put on your purity rings and all that. Purity <laughs> begins in the mind and in the heart. That's where it starts. And until you realize that you are serious about doing business with God and recognizing that his desire for you is good things and is everything that scripture outlines for healthy relationships, uh, for prioritizing him above everything, we have to believe that what God says is really true. And uh, for the Christian, that means that until you are married, you are staying sexually pure. Mm-hmm. You are cultivating and, and within marriage, you know, this idea that, that singles think, okay, well, um, it's okay. I mean, I kind of have a porn problem now, but that's going to go away when I get married because then I'll be able to fulfill, you know, sexual yeah. desires and stuff. Um, married people struggle with that. Okay. So it's not, (laughs) this is not going to be the the bandaid on all your problems. So, um, we have to believe that God has good things for us. And if that means that marriage is going to be delayed for us, if that means that God is scripting a story 
like me, where I never thought I'd be single this long, but I realized that God, I, I have to trust him with the future of my story. Yeah. Um, I can't say, uh, again, getting back to, to John Piper, uh, <laughs> I remember him speaking once and, and saying that this 25-year-old guy came up to him and said, Dr. Piper, I have stayed sexually pure up until now, and but I told God that I'm giving him till I'm 30. Yeah. And then in, when I'm 30, I have to take matters into my own hands because how ridiculous is it to still be a virgin at 30? First of all, who says that to John Piper? Because you know you're going to get a full-on smackdown from him. <laughs> Secondly, it was just evidence of a heart that was fearful and not mm. trusting God, that God could have something good enough that would show him that he could stay obedient to God's word and still have good things delivered to him. Yeah. So that's what we have to decide from the get-go and then let God work it out in the meantime. Yeah. Um, and, and then just one other thing I want to say is in a lot of Christian folks don't say this, and I think it's it's too bad we don't. Um, you know, sex can be a great motivator for marriage. So it's yeah. like, <laughs> it's like you know, that is one, there's nothing wrong about saying yeah. that that is, you know, a, a purpose within marriage, that that is a gift within marriage. Yeah. And so it is okay. I mean, if you, if you have the gift of celibate service, the gift of singleness, God's going to make that pretty clear to you. Sure. And it's, you're not yeah. going to struggle with sexual temptation. You're not going to struggle at the level that other people will. And so own that, be okay with it and consider marriage as a great thing to pursue yeah. even as you're younger. Yeah. I think that's a narrative that's not being spoken enough mm -hmm. in this modern culture because mm -hmm. it's, yeah, I think even in the church, not that the church is compromised, but um, I think it's just not being spoken about enough that actually this is God's design uh, for sex to be with, uh, within marriage only mm -hmm. uh, and not to be condemning or judgmental, but to to lift up that as as a high standard, right. um, I don't think it's being done enough. Right. And it's not even because God's saying, you know, let's punish all the single people or make them have to go through this horrific trial of celibacy. It's because yeah. God knows that the design for sex within marriage is best. Yeah. And so, and but I, but I will say that statistically speaking, for us as a church to expect an entire generation to delay marriage into our late 20s, into our 30s, into our, and, and I see a lot of Christian leaders doing that, saying, oh, okay, no, wait until, I don't think you're quite mature enough yet. I think you better wait a little more. I think you better uh, serve on another missions trip or do another, you know, so this whole yeah. generation's expected to go from their teenage years into their 30s remaining sexually pure. And it's not that with God's help, you can't do that, but um, we need to come up with a different way of scripting that for yeah. a generation. Yeah. When it comes to singles, what role is the church playing or could the church play maybe better? Mm -hmm. I think there are a few things. One is uh, we have to realize that family does not just mean you are married with children. The body of Christ, the family of God includes single people. Yeah. And uh, you and I were saying, you know, I was saying for the first time in U.S. history, there are more singles here than marrieds. Wow. Uh, and it's it's a pretty shocking <laughs> statistic for a lot of people yeah. uh, who think that singles are just niche. But <laughs> to recognize that um, singleness does not equal immaturity. It doesn't mean that you haven't arrived. It doesn't sure. mean that you're not a contributor. Uh, so I say high, have high expectations expectations of the singles within your church. Expect leadership out of them. Expect them to give financially. Expect them to serve. Uh, you know, if you have, I, I tell pastors, 
if you have an amazing single CPA in your congregation, they better be on some kind of finance committee or better be doing something to use their gifts and yeah. their skills in a way that is uh, is contributing to the life and health of the church. So um, do that and, and give them a seat at the table to be part of the conversation and part of the responsibility of the church. Yeah. Also, I would love to see the church... Um, also recognize some of the hurts of singleness. I wrote an article a while back, um, what not to say to single women in the church, because yeah. I've heard about most of it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and some of it's just hilarious. I wrote yeah. it in very tongue in cheek. But um, to recognize that for, for many single young adults, singleness is hard. It's a yeah. hard place to be. It's a lonely place to be. We feel disenfranchised. Um, so what does it look like to step into the life of single adults and encourage them, pray for them, enfold them into your family? families, uh, be someone who recognizes them, who says, you know, how can I encourage you today? And then finally, the church should be in the business of making great matches and not be yeah. ashamed to do that, to say, yeah. we're better. I always say, you know, we're better to meet your future spouse than in church. I mean, now we have, we've turned Christian singles loose. They are on dating apps. They're on dating sites. They're going to speed dating events um, when really the people that know and love them best uh, should be in the position to encourage them towards marriage in a healthy way. That's awesome. Lisa speaks straight to the heart of the singles in a way that is honest and vulnerable, but also with such wisdom and insight. And I hope you heard Lisa's heart and were encouraged and challenged to walk out your singleness in purity or to get around the singles in your church or extended family and advocate for them. In Lisa's book, The Dating Manifesto, she shares how you can break the cycle of dating dysfunction and learn to honor marriage, marry well, and live intentionally while you wait. You'll find that online at safamily.co.za or give us a call on 031-716-3300. For Focus on the Family Africa, I'm Alison Schnell, inviting you to tune in next time when we'll once again help you and your family thrive in Christ.